How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome to Inspiring Stories. My name is Tim McMillan. This is another episode brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guests in this episode grew up in Victoria with football very much in his blood. He's the grandson of a North Melbourne legend and great-grandson of an Australian Football Hall of Famer. So a career in AFL football seemed to be his destiny. And uh, so it was in 2016, as a teenager, he was drafted to the West Coast Eagles. And two years later, he was the youngest member of the Eagles side that clinched that epic come-from-behind grand final win over Collingwood. An incredible high for a player at any stage of their career, let alone uh, one at the tender age of just 20. In the following season, though, his footy uh, and his life took a pretty dramatic turn when he was knocked out badly in a game against Melbourne. Uh, his determination since to get his health and his life back on track continues to this day. Uh, our inspiring stories chat this week is with Daniel Venables. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hey, Tim. How are you going? Yeah, good. Going well. So tell me, Dan, how are you at the moment? That seems to be the obvious question to start with. How are you tracking? Yeah, I'm, I'm going all right, mate. I um, obviously still have a few issues that I'm, um, I'm dealing with at the moment, but um, yeah, that's life, I guess. And mm. um, put one foot forward and, and get on with my days and um, try my best to, I guess, um, improve every day. If I'd known Daniel Venables, you know, pre-round nine or 10 or whatever it was, 2019, that game against Melbourne, uh, and then compared you to the, the Dan Venables of today, are you different people? Yeah, 100%. I'm um, <clears throat> probably, I've learned so much about life, I guess. Um, before Beforehand, I was just a, a young, I guess, naive, happy kid, you know, I um, used to yeah, love life and um, yeah, always doing things. Where now, um, obviously, I've got a few issues that I have to deal with, but um, I'm probably a lot more mature. I've had to go through things at a young age that um, not many young kids do. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm definitely a better person now, but um, yeah, I still have my struggles that, that mm. it's kind of hard and keeps me down, which I guess might not be as bubbly as I used to be and um, and out and about a bit as much. But um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely a a better person myself, I yeah. reckon. Yeah. Um, do you notice any differences uh, in terms of your cognition, being able to process things? Um, we'll talk about the headaches that you've suffered, you know, over a long period of time um, shortly. But in terms of your, I suppose, your ability to to process thoughts, um, you know, remember things, yeah. is there a difference now? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I always find myself... Um, I guess losing a little bit of memory, and um, I don't just don't think the same I used to, and I'm probably um, like I struggle, I, I struggle at uni, um, yep. just thinking, and, and there's a lot of things that I guess I don't really notice that I never, I guess I never appreciated what I what I had, I guess. Um, so um, yeah, I definitely definitely struggle with a lot of day to day things and a lot mm. of cognition things, and um, which makes it hard, but you can't, I guess. I don't know you can't dwell on it. You just got to move forward and keep improving. And I'm doing things every day to, I guess, fix them type yeah. of things. Yeah, and we'll get to some of those uh, throughout the course of uh, the next hour or so. Um, we might just take you back. I know that you've watched this clip many times, so it, this is not sort of something that's going to, you know, shake you out of your seat. Uh, hearing the commentary uh, around that uh, that shocking incident in 2019, but let's just uh, roll the clip in. Tom would probably play the Ruckman role there, wouldn't he? 
Actually, that was an interesting collision, that. I tell you what, that uh, West Coast player has not moved far. May well be Venables. 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 Yes, yes, yes. And hit his head on the ground as well as on the hip of the player in the air, I reckon. So bang there yeah. and then on the ground. So they're going to call the stretcher, so this will be a cease be a to stretcher, guys. So Venables in the best care, doctor, physio, all there. Take him straight off, don't put him on the cart. He goes straight up into the race and he'll no doubt be checked out thoroughly in the rooms. It's been a few years now. How does that sound to you when you hear that? Does it still kind of shake you to your core? No, not really. Never no? has, to be honest. I um, uh, Straight after, to be honest, I was actually watched the replay. Um, yeah, I think because I didn't... It's not like I broke my leg or anything, you know what I mean? Like where it was like... Obviously, that was really gruesome, but, like, I didn't know at the time. Like, you see a lot of people have hits like that, and they're good to go, like, the next week. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty open to it. Like, I, it was a massive hit. Like, that's one of the biggest hits I've seen on the footy field, I reckon. Um, but, yeah, I'm not really too fussed about watching it. Yeah. And yet the commentators at the time almost didn't appear to see what had happened. It was just this split-second moment. It wasn't one of those clashes that just makes you sort of, you know, gasp yeah. until you saw the replays perhaps from different angles. But um, the commentators at first almost weren't sure what yeah. had happened. And then, of course, they start to maybe see the different angles and go, oh, hang on a minute, this, yeah. looks, this looks pretty nasty. Do you even remember the moment of impact? So I kind of struggle with this one, um, to be honest. I Because I've seen it so many times on replays and all that. So, like, you can't, I know what happened. Mm. But when I woke up, when I woke up in the in the change rooms, I, I didn't know at all what happened. Um, and even now, I actually don't know what happened before, but I know I can put pieces of the puzzle together. Yep. Um, so I must have, I don't know, when I, when I, when I watch the replay, I, all I can think about is maybe the, I got lost, like just tracking the ball. And I thought, oh, I don't know, when it's your time to go, it's, it's your time to get the footy. Um, so I was just, yeah. It was just instinct at just the time, instinct. wasn't it? And I thought it was yeah. my ball and, um, yeah, I must have got lost in the lights or something. I'm not yeah. sure. Was, everything happens weirdly at night, nighttime footy. There's so many lights and the atmosphere is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. It didn't hurt. I know that. It didn't, <laughs> didn't hurt. You didn't no. actually feel anything at the time that you, that you remember? No. Nah, even when I woke up, I didn't have a sore jaw or anything. Is that right? Um, it was, it's been, I, like, I had no bruises or had no facial fractures or anything, yeah. but... Um, my jaw is still sore and my neck still sore from the incident now, but like when I woke up, it, it wasn't anything. Yeah, body was probably... In shock, yeah. In shock, <laughs> yeah. It seemed that your uh, impact at the time was actually with your teammate, Nathan Vardy. How was the conversation with Vards after that? Yeah, um, we have a joke, joke about it now because um, he actually got winded that night from that incident and he reckons that everyone went to me. No one went to him and he was on the floor screaming. <laughs> but then he, he, uh, he realised as soon as he looked at me, he was like, oh, yeah, they don't need to get me. But um, yeah. now I'm really good mates with Vaz and we have um, we always talk about it and I have a laugh about it now because there's nothing you can do about it. But, no. um, yeah, it was actually Vaz's um, opponent <clears throat> whose hip got me and I think I got I hit Vaz's foot or something. But, yeah, the ball was kicked in between me and his opponent. Mm. So it was kind of like a little, yeah, it was like a train wreck, to be honest. So in the moments after that, uh, you, you're taken back to the change rooms. At some point then you, I suppose, wake up, for want of a better phrase. Um, that whole period, you, you still have no recollection None. Of, of that period. That's a long blackout, isn't it? Yeah, nothing at all. I actually had a um, had a seizure on the field um, 
and I don't really remember. I don't. I don't remember waking up until the end of half time. So there was a moment in the change rooms. I knew it was half time, end uh, of half time, because some of the boys were in the change rooms with me, where I just woke up and all I could see was just shining lights. Because mm. I, was, I woke up on the doctor's table, so I got no idea what happened in between. Yeah, in between that, I just woke up completely blank of everything. I didn't know. Um, actually, the funny thing is, I bought, I bought my dog the day before, and um, yeah, I didn't even know. I, didn't even know I bought that. Wow. Um, yeah. So heaps heap of things, I was just completely blank. Wow. It's just erased a section of your memory. Yeah. yeah. Um, y- your first thoughts when you wake up on the doctor's table, you're seeing the bright lights, um, trying to piece together what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, what was that moment like? Mate, it, it was so weird. Hey, like I woke up and even the day before I shaved my head, so I gave myself a buzz cut. Yeah. And I just remember um, just running my hands through my head, my hair, and I was just like, where's my hair going? And then, like, I was like, "What's going on?" And then I, like, I, I was crying a little bit because I was just in so much shock. Like, I woke up to a tape, like, to just lights over me. Mm. Um, had no idea what happened, and but then slowly it came a ride, and my, my head was thumping. And but I just thought it was like a normal concussion, you know. And um, I'd be back the next, not maybe not the next week, but the week after, and I'd just be all right, you know, the next day. Like, mm. that's the the hardest bit about this whole incident is I just haven't known what the next step is mm. so it's not like i've broken my leg all right what do you do when you break your leg you go to hospital you um or you get in a moon boot or get have surgery or get in plaster and you got to rehab it from that where this is just like you think that you're just going to be fine the next day or a couple of days you have just a sore wake head up and just wake up wake yep. up out of it like mm. but i just never have yeah it's so new you know what i mean like who knows about all this concussion stuff and mm. traumatic brain injury so i actually didn't have concussion i had a traumatic brain injury which is completely different. So it's not classified, it's not classified as a concussion. No, it's um, yeah, completely different. Um, and I just thought, as I said, like I just thought I'd wake up and I'd be fine. You'd be one day, back, I'd playing be back playing in a couple, couple of weeks. weeks. <laughs> like, like I didn't know, you know. And mm. it wasn't until I two weeks later, I think, when a lot of things settled down. Not didn't actually never settled down, but like they're like I was able to fly because I was worried about flying because of all the pressure in my head. And mm. flew to Melbourne and seen a specialist there, and he. I don't know, he kind of told me that I should never play footy again straight away. Yeah. He told you that? Yeah, but yeah. Um, it was my decision. Apparently, that's what the hardest bit is. Every every neurologist I'd seen had told me, it's your decision. Like, we recommend you don't do this. That but, must have been a hammer blow yeah. when, when you hear those words. Well, like, what are you meant to do? Like, I'm a 20-year-old kid um, who I've just spent my whole life trying to play footy and then they've said you probably should never play again. And I kept that to myself a lot of it, you know, and yep. um, and I never gave up on my dream to get back, mm. which, um, yeah, so it's just been hard. Like, I just never knew when I'd, they'd always said you should come good soon. Like, we, don't, we just don't know when. Yeah, the, the great unknown. I suppose yeah. we have still so much to learn about concussion and, and brain injury. Yep. Um, it's early days, isn't it? Yeah. Um, let's take a break. After that, I'll, I'll get you to describe what the, the year or two after that has been the intense headaches and the daily struggles uh, that you faced um, in the time straight after that uh, traumatic brain injury midway through 2019. This is Inspiring Stories. Uh, former AFL player Dan Venables is our special guest. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Number 18, Daniel Venables. There it was, the 2018 
AFL Grand Final. The Eagles uh, coming from behind uh, to finally climb over the top of Collingwood. Uh, Dan Venables, you were the youngest player in that uh, Eagles side then. What are your memories of that? Yeah, it's, I don't really remember too much of it, to be honest. It all happened so quick. I was so yeah. young. I, yeah. I was 19. Like, um, I just thought footy was going to be like that. I had a, had a good side. <laughs> I might win a couple more flags. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I just remember it was, yeah, it was a crazy day. Hey, and that was a good year. Like, we just always... I think we always knew we were going to win, to be honest. Like, there was yeah. just a belief within, within the side and just everyone was just a role player, you know, and there yeah. was no stars, no standouts. It was just play your role. Whether you don't didn't want to play that role, you just did it for the team. And mm. it was such a good thing to be a part of. And I guess now um, when I reflect on it, it ties me to the club forever. And yep. I guess I got a bit, I got that to, I guess, you know what I mean? Like I've always can be a premiership player at West Coast and yep. I brought so many smiles to so many people from WA. Yeah. You know, like that was yep. a big moment in you can, WA mate, footy. You can dine out on that for the yeah, rest of yeah. your life. <laughs> in this town at least yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe not in some parts no. of Melbourne. <laughs> um, of course, it was the following season that uh, that life did take a, a pretty nasty turn for you. Tell me about uh, the headaches that you've suffered uh, since, because I understand that they just kept going and going and going, like day in day out for yeah. a long, long time. Yeah. Um, so since that day, I've had just pressure in my head and, and headaches ever since. And then, so, so still now we're in twenty twenty two now. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I had my man. I, honestly, I, so there was a stage where I tried to because we didn't obviously we didn't know about all this like how to come back from a concussion, like all traumatic brain injury. Mm. So I tried to I tried to do the twenty twenty preseason. Man, I was having migraines that would last like three days. I wouldn't sleep. Yeah, that's not like, and not I'd normal. still go and train and try and do stuff. And then I just don't know. Like my body, my central nervous system now is still shocked and still not right. And then I was like overloading my whole body just to train every day. Yeah, and in the heat and everything. And then it just kind of sent my sent me in a spiral, you know. And things just compounded on each other and, and got worse. So my headaches become worse. Um, my fatigue, I had like chronic fatigue worse. Um, mm. My neck pain, my jaw pain, my eye pain. I just had so many headaches and, and all these issues just compounding at once. And then it just, like I didn't realize beforehand, but then it just went bang and it hit me all like a truck. Yep. Um, and then it just went, got worse, as I said, and I had to stop um, doing all that. And then I become like bedridden. I couldn't get out of bed. I was on medication that made me worse. How, um, how did yeah. that come about? Who was advising you at this point from a medical point uh, of view? Yeah, I had a, a neurologist um, we got referred to. So that's I followed that for about a year, and a year and a half maybe. And then, yeah, I had to up my dosage of medication. And, man, honestly, I've become depressed and ang- had anxiety every day. Yeah. Um, was that well, because of, directly because of the physical symptoms you were experiencing or because you were starting to have to mm. contemplate uh, that your career might be done? That's or a good, bit of both. A bit of both, I reckon, man. Like, you got to remember, when your body's so... Like, my, I was depleted. Like, I had mm. nothing to give. Like, there was times where I, I just didn't want to, like, be around, you know? Like, I'm like, this is so hard to get out of bed. I'd get out of bed at, like, 2 o'clock in the Arvo just because I just I just couldn't get out of bed, mate. Like, mm. And I couldn't sleep. And then I'd get back to sleep for, like, an hour. But if you know, if you take and have an hour's sleep, you actually become worse. And I was in a pattern, man. I was just a bad, bad phase of my life. And um, no one really knew about this, to be honest. Um, and then, yeah, I just, <clears throat> it's just hard. Like, yeah. yeah. So at that point, are you, you, you're you doing full training again with the team or are you sort of off to the side doing uh, a bit of cardio? Oh, yeah. You know, we and, and were you literally just sleeping until you had to train and then back to bed? Yeah, so um, in the 2020 pre-season, I'd do everything besides 
contact. Yeah. So I'd legit, I wouldn't, I'd hardly sleep at night. I'd wake up, I'd be at the club or whatever. I wouldn't go to meet any meetings. All I did was I'd train either by myself or do skills with the team. As soon as training finished, I'd go into the sleep room or I'd drive home because I lived in Laugh Lane, so it'd be a two-minute drive. I'd sleep and then I'd get up and go for a walk, take my dog for a walk just because I just couldn't band, handle pain and then mm. eat some food, go back to try go back to sleep, have another sleepless night and wake up and do it again. Um, yeah, that's a shocking man, I, routine to be in, sh- isn't Man, it? it was so bad and I don't know how I actually did it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I put myself through that and that's kind of like... I don't know. That's I've just never complained. I've just yeah. never complained. That's kind of how I've been. So you were trying to train through migraines, I was, basically. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah, I was a wreck. Yeah. And had just, you had yeah, migraines? Never ever before. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're not fun, are they're they? They're not fun, man. I'd legit, honestly, like, I'd when I I'd put put myself under my cover and be in a dark room, or I'd just go sit in the shower and just have hot water running over my neck, and I'd just I'd just cry like it was. Like what can yeah. what can you do? Like I was, I'm thinking this is me for the rest of my life. Like this yeah. is day in day out for months. Like yeah. <laughs> and how long did those persistent, you know, days on end um, headaches and migraines go for? I forget to be honest. Like, yeah. I don't know. They didn't just end. They've just no, sort no, of no, gotten no. less it's, frequent. The headaches, yeah, migraines have like kind of stopped. Don't really have them. Yeah. Um, headaches, yeah, and pressure in my head that's just constant. Um, can I ask yeah. are you still having to medicate now? Uh, I've gone natural and everything. Yeah, man. Honestly, I, I don't take painkillers or anything anymore. Yeah. Um, I try and eat a good eat a good diet. I have a good healthy lifestyle with my diet, and I exercise because you got to remember, I can't exercise. I can't even get my my heart rate above like 80, 80 to ninety without flaring my symptoms up. Is that right? Yeah. And so if you went for a if I can't, man, if I go for a jog um, now, yeah, I'm, I'll, you'd be my, in trouble. The next day and everything, I'll be I'll be cooked. And is that right? So how do you keep your fitness up well, now? Your physical fitness. Well, that's the thing. Like, and if you don't do anything my symptoms become worse anyway and you become like a zombie and like so it's finding a balance between all this stuff that's why i tried to do everything and i tried to get out even at my worst and mm. my migraines are up so i just try and walk it out and just try and get good sleep and even though i couldn't so i don't know there's only so much you can medicate yourself i feel like to be honest like when you become reliant on it and i yep. just kind of got away from that and try and eat good food and try and get information out of my brain and yep. out of my body. And yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. I kind of contradict myself when I talk about yeah. that because it just doesn't make sense, but it kind of works for me. And, and, and along the way too, have you also had to um, pull yourself away from what particular medical specialists are telling you and, and work things out for yourself yeah. and maybe seek yeah. different advice? How yeah. has that gone? It's, I, I started seeing after... It was probably September, uh, August in 2020. I had a chat to Craig Vozzo about moving on to see um, a guy named Brett Jarrows. Um, he's a specialist. He's a chiropractor, technically a chiropractor in Melbourne, but he's a neuroscientist, does neuroscience. And when I seen him, he, he actually found out what parts of my brain wasn't working through different um, tests and um, machines he has and everything. And it's kind of like a hamstring or an ankle. Like if you do your ankle, you've got to rehab it it's just not going to fix by itself or it's not going to get stronger. So through that, I was able to do exercises every day, yeah. target specific parts of my brain to, to change. And like I found out how to flicker in my eye. So my eye would flicker to the left. So when my eye would go to That's the left. That's something that you've picked up now or something up, that yeah. you've always no, had? No, 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 no. I picked up. This is all, this is all the result of a, yep. my hit. Yep. Um, so what that was doing was that was my body would think it's moving, mm-hmm. and but I wasn't moving. So what your body does is you... Um, so your mind's just ticking over, so it's always got 
things going on because you think your body's moving, your ears, it's checking in all the systems. And then as a result, it doesn't know what it's doing. So it clenches your neck. So that's why my neck pain was so, so bad for a while because my neck was just being like clenched together. Mm. Um, so things like that changed. Um, just yeah, eyes because my eyes were going crazy. My cognitive fog was through the roof and... Um, I don't know, there's heaps of, man, I've got so many yeah. issues that I had. That they're just One triggers example. another, yeah, triggers another. Just, there's so many yeah, things your body's under change, siege. But yeah, I, was doing, I'm doing rehab, I was doing rehab, still am, every single day, twice a day. Yeah. Just to improve. Just gentle exercises. That... Yeah, different eye exercises, um, body uh, balance. Um, got eye, uh, things on my iPad. Got letter charts all across my room. Yeah. Um, and that has got me out of like a lot of the bad yeah. um, symptoms that I had. Yeah. So, yeah. When was the last time you kicked a footy? I actually um, had a kick with the AFLW team a couple of weeks ago, but before that, it was honestly it would have been maybe May. Yeah. <laughs> do you miss it? Um, man, there's I do miss just having a kick around. Like I do. Um, yeah, it is. It's hard. Um, footy was like everything for me. You know, like I grew up playing mm. it. It was my out. Like when I was stressed, I just go kick goals and. Um, it's definitely hard, but yeah, it's, there's more to life than footy. Yeah. Um, and I've yeah, witnessed that firsthand. What about watching footy? Uh, yeah. You know, how do you go watching your, it's so, your former teammates? Yeah, it's just hard because like, I was so young when I played, like, oh, the last game I played, I was like 20 and a half. Yeah. Like that's young. And I didn't even get to like, um, my body hadn't even grown. I was still a kid. Um, like my, wasn't playing in my, 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 I was playing a position, out of position, like. So I just wish I could have had a crack at it. And now I've like filled out and when I was training 2021, 20, I was training so well, like mm. I've started to like really grow and become a better footballer. And now I'm like, I can't do it. But um, I've got all my best mates that are yep. that are at the club and playing and um, and they've been there for me the whole time. So I love supporting them. Yeah, yeah it's definitely hard. Uh, your family, obviously, I mentioned football's in the blood and we'll get into your uh, rich heritage uh, perhaps uh, in the next part of our chat. Um, how did they feel about you? trying to get back after such a traumatic injury. Yeah. Um, they obviously didn't want it that, like want me to get back, you know, they'd see yeah. what I'd go through and they'd yeah. see me at my worst. But yeah. as a, as my dad said to me, he's like, mate, like if you want to do this, I'm going to support you. And at, like, I, as I said, I didn't want to be 29 and I don't know if I can work again. I didn't want to be at a job that I didn't want to be at thinking I could have been playing footy. Like, why am I here? Yeah. Um, and they supported that and um, that made me happy within myself that I gave it a crack. Mm. And for, for me to do that, it made like they're, they're just happy that I'm happy and I can do things, you know. So, mm. yeah, it's a challenging one. They don't, you don't really want to see your kid go through what I'd gone through. And, you know, I could have died that night. Yeah. That's a very realistic. Seven bleeds on the brain. Yeah, you know? yeah so. says it all. Let's um, take another break after that. Yeah, I will ask you about uh, your family history. Uh, you mentioned uh, dad was at Collingwood. Uh, your granddad was a North Melbourne legend. Your great granddad is in the uh, Hall of Fame. So <laughs> pretty strong lineage yeah. there, uh, which we'll explore in more detail right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Daniel Venables is our special guest. We'll be back with more of his story right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. 
Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is AFL Premiership winner uh, in 2018 with the West Coast Eagles, Daniel Venables, whose uh, promising career was uh, unfortunately cut uh, abruptly short in the following season in 2019 uh, when he suffered a traumatic brain injury uh, and he's been uh, determined to get things uh, back on track ever since. Uh, Dan, let's go right back, though, uh, to your early days growing up in Melbourne. Um, I I mentioned before the break, uh, such a strong... Uh, family history in the game. Um, let's go right back to your great granddad, yeah. who is in the Hall of Fame, yeah. which is a pretty special honour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, who was he? Who did he play for? Yeah. What were his skills? Yeah. Um, so my great grandpa, my mum's grandpa, Johnny Lewis. He um, he captain coached North Melbourne in the thirties. Yeah. Um, he was actually the biggest man in the AFL um, at his time. Um, I've read a lot of books um, about it. Um, did, did you ever meet him? Nah, I didn't. Never met him. He um, he passed. He passed um, pretty yeah, early, but um, he, he also played at Melbourne. I think he played like 40-something games at Melbourne. So he was um, yeah, growing up, I guess, when he was mm. an AFL Hall of Fame, captain North Melbourne, coach North Melbourne. Um, I think he actually, there was something about he um, was close to winning the Brownlow, but he got reported. He was a, yeah. he was a, apparently, apparently he was a pretty bad man on the field. Um, I've heard a lot of reports. And in those days. Yeah. And, in the, yeah, and especially being from North Melbourne, you know, a bit of a rough area back in the day. Um, yeah. I think he got reported for getting into a fight actually at a Richmond versus someone else game. He got rocked up to the game to fight someone. Um, so I've heard a lot, of, a lot of stories about him. I don't know if he was um, a good yeah. guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But apparently phenomenal at footy and he was a big man, you know. Um, and then my... So that's my mum's mum's dad, and then yeah. my mum's dad, um, Freddie Robinson. He was uh, played at North Melbourne, and then um, he was a fullback. Um, and then he actually, then I think because he didn't get paid much to play footy back then. No. So then he actually got a massive contract to move to Brunswick um, in the VFA and become a legend there as well, um, just so he can support my nanny with um, money with the, with yeah. the kids. So. So you met um, him? No, nah, he passed away when I was actually. Um, I think I was two. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he, he passed pretty early. Um, so I wish I did. I just grew up knowing all these stories and I'd ask my uncle and ask my mum about all these stories about him. Yeah, I think I was born into footy, that's for sure. Absolutely. And your dad uh, didn't quite make the no. cut but was uh, skirting around the edges of a Collingwood yeah, side yeah. in his day too. So, yeah, so he, he played um, he played footy at Collingwood and then um, had a few injuries, played a bit at Brunswick um, in the v- VFA as well. So, yeah, I um, he wasn't that good at with skills. I think I got my yeah. skills from my mum's side. But, um, <laughs> but what he did do, he taught me to kick left and right foot by the time I was like five. Yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty pretty special. Like, pretty especially handy. when you're in when you're in the AFL environment, if you can actually turn onto your left and be pretty close to being a like a like as good on your right, like it gets yeah. you in a bit of trouble. So yeah. out of a bit of trouble. So when we used to have kicks and I used to crack it and throw the footy away and be like, I'm not kicking on my left foot, I just want to kick on my right. I actually yeah. thanked him a bit later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so fair to say that it was no surprise to anyone that you showed promise as a kid and, and, and AFL seemed to be your future. Yeah. Um, do you remember a time when you first fell in love with the game or kicked, you know, picked up a footy and thought, oh, yeah, I can, I can do this? Man, apparently I've been kicking the footy since I was like two. Yeah. Um, I was always a good junior. I actually wasn't allowed to play footy until I was 10. Why is that? Um, I was allowed to do Auskick, but my dad just said, yeah. mate, you're going to have plenty of time to play footy when you're older. Um, and a lot of bigger bodies, like you don't need to waste time now playing footy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just always was good. And um, when, did, when did you first, I suppose, yeah, come onto someone's um, radar and, and, you know, someone offered you a, yeah, a chance to progress? Um, so 
I made a lot of rep squads. I made the under-15s Victorian team. Yep. Um, and then I got a full scholarship to Essendon Grammar, um, which Ken Fletcher ran the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously an Essendon legend. Um, so Essendon, Penley Essendon Grammar School was a pretty rich football school. Yep. A massive football school in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, so that, that started there. And then I think I got, I actually missed the under-16s state team. I didn't make, I had back issues as a kid, just because I think from growing up, I played a lot of cricket. Yep. So I just had like back spasms and a bulging disc. So then I actually missed out on making the under-16 team. And then the under-17s um, made that. And I, I played really well in the, like the 17s. It's like a futures program. Mm. And then I actually went back and played as a bottom. Because I'm born in the end of November. So I'm almost the, I'm all, I'm legit, I'm a month off being um, the age group below. Mm. So I actually went and played as an overager at the under-16s nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played a really good, a really good game there. Um, and then, yeah, I was on the radar and yep. all of a sudden I've, we're projected going pretty high in the draft. And in my draft year, I played really well. Yeah. Um, I played a lot of school. So in Melbourne, you play school football over everything. Yeah. Um, so I only played like maybe three or four games for Western Jets, but the rest was at um, Pegs. And yeah, I had a little foot injury after that. Um, I pl- actually played like the last two games with uh, like a pretty serious foot injury for school. So I wasn't like, I didn't want to miss the grand final um, and, I, and I missed I would have missed like 12 weeks with a foot injury, which I actually got drafted with, but because I played with it in the grand final, mm. which no one really knows about. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Playing through an injury, Playing that's a common yeah, story. Yeah, I know. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I actually, and I, from missing out in the under-16s, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's been, yeah, kind of went, just went through the system. and it, The trajectory yeah. was pretty yeah, clear yeah, yeah. early on. Yeah. Uh, and growing up, as I say, you know, you've got this great pedigree, North Melbourne, also Collingwood. Yeah. You find yourself in the Essendon yeah. area. Yeah. Who did you who did you want to play for? Who did you support as a I kid? I supported North Melbourne. Yeah. And I was spewing when they didn't draft me. They had the pick before <laughs> me. Um, and I was spewing about that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, then I'm, obviously if I went to North, I wouldn't have playing a premiership, that's no, for sure. You, you <laughs> I would have won a little soon. <laughs> definitely wouldn't. I mean, they're, they're dining out on some pretty yeah. old memories now, yeah. aren't they, the yeah. North Melbourne fans? Um, I mean, you just turned 18, yeah. West Coast comes knocking. Like a week after you turned 18, right? Uh, yeah. You, so you get uh, picked up by yeah. the Eagles. Uh, talk us through that moment when, you, when you're yeah. sitting there waiting for your name to get called. Yeah, so I, um, I'd finished school on like maybe the 14th of November. Mm-hmm. Turned 18 on the 19th of November. Then the 26th of November was the draft. Yeah. And then, to be honest, the only place I did not want to go was West Coast of Frio. Is that right? Yeah, and like I just didn't want to go there. It's the furthest Cause it place was away, so, so far, far away. away, and like, um, and then I got a message from my, my manager Robbie Dorazio, like maybe five minutes before West Coast. And he's like, <laughs> "You're off the, you're off the turf, mate." <laughs> but um, yeah. Did you know anyone here at all? I didn't know. Like, oh, even no, even no. in the whole city, did um, you know anyone no, so, here? So what's funny is my family's actually from Perth. My dad's family. Is that right? Yeah. So the Venables family. Um, we had a lot of we had a, a lot of sh- um, shops and all that in uh, Leaderville. Right. So it was actually Venables Park in Leaderville. Mm. Um, yeah, so my dad was born here, but then he moved um, as a kid to Adelaide and then moved to Melbourne when he met my mum. Um, so I knew my uncle was actually my uncle Neil. Um, he was running the Salvo the whole Salvation Army right. um, out of Perth. So now he's um, moved um, away, but he was there for the first year. Right. Um, and I knew Liam Duggan just through, yep. I played Western Jets as a, when I was 15, I played Western Jets when he was in his top age. So he yep. was 18, I was 15. So I knew him, um, but no one else. Yeah, didn't know. 
Yeah. What was it like then? Just yeah. upping stumps and moving yeah. to the other side of the universe. Well, yeah. Well, the person who picked me up from the airport was Luke Shuey. Yeah. Luke and Danny. Um, so I moved in with him for a good couple of weeks, I think, and then I moved. Um, I moved in with the Dickies, Gary and Judy Dickie. You know Dickies Trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were my host family. So um, yeah, right. So if anyone knows the Dickies out there, they're a pretty crazy bunch. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, they love the Gary loves the horses, so he got me into the horses pretty early. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask up until that game in 2019 you obviously had this idea in your head you know you just won a premiership yep. i'm going to play footy until i'm i don't know 30 yeah something yep. give or take uh after that what did you imagine yourself doing after you were done with footy um, what was your what was your life looking like to you at that point i don't know hey um i definitely wanted to do something in the business scene, uh, scene. Uh-huh. um my dad's a bit of an entrepreneur you know he's owned many businesses and um, so I always loved all that type of stuff, but I was 20, like, who knows what they're going to do yeah. when they're 20, you know, I didn't even think about like what was going on. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just, I don't know, it just happened really quick. I lost, can't, don't have my job anymore. So like, what am I going to do? I have no degree. I have no, and I can't really study now, you know, yep. I struggle with a lot of that stuff. So, yep. so much uncertainty and I just never really thought about that. I wouldn't be playing footy. Yeah. If that, I, I thought just. Down the track, I'd start thinking about it that. It seemed a given. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take another break. After that, I want to ask you about uh, the legal action uh, that you've launched because um, it's, uh, it's a pretty uh, bold move and it's certainly a headline-grabbing uh, move, wasn't it, uh, last year when that news broke that you were uh, seeking uh, some compensation for the uh, injury that you've suffered uh, and the way it brought about the end of your career. We'll get into that right after we take a break. Daniel Venables is our special guest on this episode of Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, Daniel Venables is our special guest. Uh, Dan, you're still you're still pretty young. You've got your whole life ahead of you still, uh, albeit you know taking on a different sort of shape that you probably imagined uh, a few years ago. Um, late last year, uh, it, it emerged that you were going to be launching legal action. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us what you can say about that. Oh, I was just, man, like I. There's no um, compensation really for players who lose their careers, you know, and um, like I can't study and I can't really work at all, you know, and it's just, I guess, creating something for people in the future, the players in the future, that if things like this do happen, that they're going to be protected and supported. Um, like I've got a whole life to live, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's pretty hard living how I Like, you know, like I can't really get a job. Like I just struggle every day, like... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of people that like a lot of concussion type of situations. Like you don't really know how bad it is until down the track. So like, <clears throat> I guess creating something for the past players, but also the future players that they're protected. Yeah, um, a, a safety net a for safety anyone net else. For everyone else, because yeah, we're not we don't have, we don't have workers we don't have workers comp, um, and like we go out there and put our bodies on the line. You know, and mm. it's such a great game, but you just want to make sure that. Um, you know, for people that find themselves in situations like me from AFL, like it's you're protected and um, yeah. So Peter Jess is doing a lot of things in, in that sort of um, regards, and he's been pretty public about it all. And um, so yeah, it's kind of just changing, changing the, changing things for the future. Yeah. Um, can I ask uh, for that to be successful? Your your claim does it then 
require the AFL to take responsibility and to accept that they they failed in their duty of care towards you as a participant on that day? Is that yeah. is that part of what's required? Um, yeah, I think I think I think so. Look, I'm to be honest, I, I'm, I haven't really been involved with a lot of it, um, and no one knows answers at all. Mm. But when you're in this situation, you need to show a bit of leadership and you know what I mean. Be proactive about it. Helping, helping the players out when they do go through trouble, and because it's I'm a real life living example of what can happen. And mm-hmm. like we love, I love the game. Like I don't want anything. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to bring the game down or nothing. I, I just want to make sure that players in the future are safe. You know, and it's a, it's a real, it's a real thing. And um, who goes to work and doesn't come home themselves? You know, and yeah, that, that happened to me. So yeah, it's a hard one to answer. Yeah. Um... Can I ask uh, how has the dialogue been uh, with the AFL and also with your former club? Yeah, um, I think that a lot of the processes need need to change. As I said, um, like just even rehabbing concussion and and brain injuries and all that. So I want to work with the AFL and, and help. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not against anyone. Like I, I want to help and change things for the future. So bring in different protocols that actually that work and. Um, so yeah, um, I just, yeah, the West Coast are trying to help me and, um, things, but we need a, yeah, just, I guess, I think I'm not sure if it's the AFL or, but we need something to, to change. Mm. And what would even, you like to see come out of it? I um, mean, you don't want it to get to that nah, stage where you have to launch legal nah. action, but so, what would you like to see in place well, to I, help the next yeah. person who finds themselves well, in think, your shoes? I just think there needs to be, um, this needs to be systems in, in place and, um, like even insurances, like we don't have really insurance. Mm. Like it's pretty crazy when you think about it. It is. Like, um, so things need to change in that that regards. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's a hard one to talk about, to be honest. I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the game generally has to be said has taken a lot of steps uh, yeah. to try to minimise uh, head injury and head contact. Um, certainly, the way the rules have have been modified uh, over recent years. So it seems like it. I mean, of course, it's on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're talking about something different, aren't you? You're yeah. talking about um, having talk- something to help players who yeah. find their careers cut short. But there's also other things like you can mitigate kind of head injuries by training eyes, but, you know, training your eyes. If, if you're a lot quicker in reactions and you you can actually change the, the way you put your body in different positions because you can see what's happening and you, have mm. bit, so you can train things like that. You can train neck strength to protect your head when you, when you do get a little knock. Yeah. Um, I don't know, even... Like there's just things in, that you can do to actually. Um, so training techniques could training be a, techniques, another thing yeah, to work. Yeah, one hundred percent, and even just like reaction training and even protocols. So if all the players at the start of each year they sit down and do an hour and a half work of psych testing, um, which can um, so that's your baseline, and then you have scans, things mm-hmm. like that. So having baseline testing and scans at the start of every year, um, the players. Um, that's kind of what I'm fighting for. I want yeah. things like that to change. Yeah. So, and then if you do have a head knock, you just go redo them testings. And you know, like it might take an hour and a half of your time, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. But if you're a player out there um, and you think that, well, mate, I'm a living example of mm. why you should do it. Yeah. Because you should have that in in so just things don't get worse and you don't pick it up yeah. later down the track. So every year, just re re test re. You know what I mean? Like in there's things out there that yeah can change like that. Yeah. Um, the, no doubt there are players, ex-players who are battling the effects of, of multiple head knocks throughout their careers. Um, 
but you, I suppose, are quite unique in that, you know, you're, you're young, you've had this happen to you, uh, and you're speaking so openly about it. Um, how is it being, for want of a better phrase, the poster boy? Um, for a campaign like this? Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard, you know. I'm, I'm the first player in AFL history to um, have a scan pre-draft yep. and then have a scan after the, the hit, and that showed the changes in my brain. Um, and also, yeah, it's just... It is hard being, I guess, putting yourself out there to speak about things, and um, I'm the first one in AFL history to be told by the AFL that they can never play again. Mm-hmm. So that got taken out of my hands. So um, there's a lot of firsts in this, yep. which I understand why things have been kind of why they are, because no one knows and it's new to everyone. But things need to, I guess, change because if people are in my position, like I want them to not have to go through what I've gone through. You know, I'm happy to take the the brunt of, of it all because I feel like I've been put in this position for a bit of a reason. You know, everything yep. happens for a reason. If I've got to go through this to help one person out in the future, which I hope no one ever has to go through what I'm doing again, like what I'm going through. Um, then it makes it easier for them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even just I guess creating awareness for for the older guys who are struggling with head knocks down the track. You know, people around them might not understand what they're going through. But if I can speak out and I can guess give them confidence that, you know, like, um, and and I guess I'm not really sure how to put that. But um, if I can give them confidence by speaking out, so people around them understand, and, and it makes life for them a bit easier, and then yeah. create a bit of awareness and and all that type of stuff. So that's something I really want to get into is speaking about. I guess head injuries, but also speaking about um, life and mental health and, um, you know, because I feel like I relate to so many people, Not even if you don't have head knocks or, um, you know, like I lost my job. There's a lot of people out there that have stresses of that, uncertainty in life. I've technically got a disability. Um, I've gone through mental health things. I've lost my, I can't do my passion that I grew up anymore. I've lost my career, everything, you know, so I don't just, yeah, I can relate to kids at school who just fail an exam and they think they're not going to get to uni. I can fail, I can... Um, relate to just there's so many things I can relate mm-hmm. to, and especially because I'm so young. I can relate to the younger people. I can relate to older people. So there's something I would definitely want to do in the future is is I guess speak and motivational speak. speaking, yeah, motivational speaking, yep. and um, you know, yeah. Have you done much of it so far? Um, no, I've done a few podcasts, and I've through West Coast you actually do speak out a lot. Yep. Um, and you get put in positions early in your career to go speak to crowds and and whatnot. So I actually like it. Like it, and it mm. gives you a bit of a thrill. Like you're actually going to go play, you know, you still get a bit of butterflies when you, mm. you do that stuff. So it's exciting. And, and you know, if one person, every, everything I've done with in the media, I've always had good feedback. And if I can help one person who, you know, they, they just hear my story and they're like, Oh, well, we can, you know, you can always turn a, a negative into a positive, positive. And, you know, and like, <clears throat> I've got every right to look back and just be like, poor me, why me? You know, why has this happened to me? Like, yeah. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Yeah, you know what? You, I need to feel sorry for myself. Sometimes you got to, but you can't get stuck doing that because mm. everything moves on behind you and you get stuck in bad habits. Yeah, it's a great mission. Yeah. And I'm sure in its own way, that's helping you uh, with your own mental health as well, yeah, yeah. having that purpose. Yeah, for sure. And everything happens for a reason, as I said. And if this is what i got to do, I've got to do it. And yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, one door closes, another opens. Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, it'll be the first of many doors to open for you, and I'm sure your message uh, will resonate with people from all walks of life uh, for many years to come. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. appreciate that. You've been listening to uh, Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. In this episode, the inspiring story of former West Coast Eagles premiership player in Daniel Venables. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. 
you're listening to inspiring stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.